Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to Last Mountain List Wire Football Podcast Edition Week 7 Preview, which means we're nearing the halfway point. Check us out because everybody seems to have done so this past week at mwwire.com. Same thing on Twitter where we retweet Nick Rolovich, uh, Bigfoot photos, and Cole McDonald jerseys, as always. Jeremy Moss and Matt Kennerly. So, what's up? Oh, you know, it's been action-packed. Looking forward to talking about another action-packed weekend of Mountain West football. True. We have, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so, go perusing the lines again, there are one, two, three five game double digit lines in this week does that mean it's gonna be a bad week or a crazy week because it's not gonna happen a double digit it means that uh it means that you know it's only for the most uh adventurous betters out there maybe excuse me let me make that six because the uh san jose state army game is a double digit line as well all right there are a lot of points to be had and that's right if you're going to in a what are the states you can legally do that now nevada uh, mississippi didn't they just start it in New Jersey, too? I don't remember. Yeah, New Jersey, Delaware, I want to say. So there's a handful of states. So, yeah, if you want to have some fun, do a, a parlay with all these six double-digit uh, underdogs or favorites, be my guest and let us know how you do. That would Yeah, you know what? Show, <laughs> send us a screenshot if you're actually brave enough to do that. Yeah, give us a give a snapshot of your ticket, MWCY on Twitter, to see what happens. Well, we'll write an article if you pull that off. Yes, we will definitely do that because, heck, it's, those are kind of – did you see real quick the better who did – it was Alabama versus uh, Louisiana Monroe or Lafayette. I forget. Who's Louisiana now because they want to be called just Louisiana. Uh, that is Louisiana Lafayette, that's ULL. What I, that's what I thought, not ULM. So the line on the game, Alabama just crushed them. And they made the odds like there's a certain maximum you can do the odds, I guess. And it was mm-hmm. like 1 to 99,999 or something ridiculous like that. The guy bet $1,600 for Alabama to win. Do you know how much he won? Oh, I did see that. He won like a $1.50. Yeah, he won like a buck something. I saw a lot of jokes about money laundering, and honestly, I can't I can't see the lie there. <laughs> it's like, let's just bet this. And then I that is, eh. if you're into that type of thing, don't tell us about that part of it, but do what you got to do, right? Exactly. All right, so let's get to the first double-digit line of the game, which or the week. Friday night game, San Diego State hosted Air Force on the home of CBS Sports Network because that's where the Aztecs play every game, it seems like. 6 p.m. Pacific, 11.5 points. That seems uh, – we'll see. The way Air Force has been playing with their new Donald Hammond the third, that seems too many points maybe initially. So, well, and not only that, but – if you take a step back and see what San Diego State has done so far this year, yes, they're 4-1, but they've also been extremely fortunate in one in one score games. They're now 3-1. and one. You know, Their biggest win was only 14 points against Sacramento State. You know, They won by 6 against Boise. They won by 3 against Eastern Michigan, by 7 against Arizona State. And, you know, wins are wins, but 
it kind of reminds me of the conversations that I was having earlier this week with some San Diego State fans you know, thinking about like metrics by S and P plus. How you know for the moment they're only ranked 54th, and some people were making the suggestion that you know they're ranked too low by those numbers. And I keep thinking to myself, well, are you sure? Because it's extremely difficult to be, you know, above 500 by a significant amount in those kinds of close games. And look at so, you, yeah, look at Utah State. I think they're still like one and 14 in eight and one possession games over the past couple of years. Yeah, you know, their solution is just to drop 50 on everybody yeah, and avoid that all together. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you look at what this team has done, and they've really scraped together every single win that they've had this year. And so, I, even though Air Force has been a little bit uneven, they looked like a different team last week. Now that they seem to finally have their quarterback situation under control. So, off the top of my head, it just seems like this line, which you said it was 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. That seems about a touchdown too high. Also, when you consider the over-under is just 43 points. Yeah. Because two things. Air Force typically doesn't score a lot of points, and neither does San Diego State, partly because of the offenses they use. They they have potential to, but that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. And so to have that few points, because if it's a 43.5 points and it's 11.5, what's that, a, uh, like a 28-15 game, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Or not even that. Like Number Fire has a 35-20 victor- uh, projected victory. That's still mm-hmm. fit, that's still ten points above that um, over under projection at fifty five, and so it's uh, and also interesting. This game, did you know it started at a? It opened at seven and a half. I did not know that. Our Aztecs fans are better. Is that happy about it or oh, we got this? We're gonna win. So here, here's the thing that I think is gonna make this game a lot closer than maybe everybody expects. Is anybody going to be able to run the ball in this game? Air Force will. I think so. You think so? Well, remember when these two teams played a couple years ago, they played a few times, but the Mountain West title game, they ran okay. See, and and the only reason I ask is when you really dig into the numbers, you'll see that there's one thing that these two teams have in common, which is defending the run. And, you know, if you go to Football Study Hall's stat profiles, Bill Connolly's been adding a ton of new stuff, which I, I highly recommend you check it out if you're a numbers nerd like me. But the one thing that stands out, if you look at what they've done in run defense, both of these teams, you know, rushing, there's a metric called rushing marginal efficiency, which is just, you know, being able to stay on schedule on early downs. Right now, San Diego State ranks third nationally, and the Air Force ranks fourth. By opportunity rate, you know, which is more or less, you know, how often they're getting more than five yards per carry on 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 defense, or rather, how how often opponents are getting more than five yards per carry. Air Force right now they rank fourth, and San Diego State ranks eighth, and they're both in the top fifteen as far as stuff rate as well, or excuse me, the top twenty-five as far as stuff rate. So they're both making a lot of plays at or behind the line of scrimmage. So the way that I think this game is going to unfold is that both of these teams are going to try and do what they want to do, which is run the football. But I'm not going to be surprised if the Falcons are able to bottle up Chase Jasmine in the same way that Boise State was able to last weekend. I mean, let's not forget, I I went into the numbers and they got more than 25% of their total offense on that game-winning touchdown run by Jordan Bird. 
so if Air Force can keep doing what it's doing, and especially what they did last week against a similarly run-heavy offense in Navy, you know, they've been racking up a lot of tackles for loss. And you know, it might just come down to, you know, if these two teams aren't able to run the ball, which I don't think that they will, who's going to make more plays through the air? Donald Hammond the third, Ryan Agnew. Well, let's see. Let me give you one more quick stat real quick for numbers here for Russian defense, just kind of yards per play. There are mm-hmm. only two teams in the country that allow fewer than two yards per play. San Diego State, 1.96. The other is Michigan State at 1.32. Air Force, geez, they seem like a terrible rush defense at 3.31. But mm-hmm. they're not just obviously joking aside, but two yards, not even two yards to carry. That includes when San Diego State bottled up Bryce Left with, what, 50 yards, you want to say? Yeah. And they allowed Boise State, who runs well, 51 yards total. I don't know how Eastern Michigan got 116, 119, but every game has been under two yards per carry except for EMU. Yeah, and so when I when I say that who's going to make more plays, you know, through the air, Donald Hammond or, or Agnew, that's the point in which I kind of throw my hands up in the air because I really have no idea. Yeah. Because on on the one hand, you know, San Diego State was a lot better about containing Brett Ripon last weekend than I thought that they would be, because containing big plays through the air had been kind of their one Achilles heel so far this year. And they really didn't allow any big plays. But what Hammond has been able to do besides avoid sacks a lot more frequently than Sanders and Worthman behind him, you know, do you realize his sack rate is still zero right now? <laughs> That's pretty good, right? <laughs> and not only that, like his, his completion rate is still under slightly under 50%, but he's connecting on enough of those plays. He's averaging 17.8 yards per completion where – that is something that could easily turn against the Aztecs again if they're not careful, if they're not disciplined. But again, that's kind of a big if because I feel like that's kind of a 50-50 proposition, asking Air Force to be able to create those big plays. Yeah, because they don't have like Jalen Orpinette or those good receiver, better receivers than past couple. Well, I guess go with him. They don't have a big-name receiver who's going to get those huge plays all the time. Also, well, See, that's the, that's the thing, though. Can I yeah. correct you there? Because I think that they well, do. We're just, we're just not talking about him nearly enough. Okay, let's, let's and that's, talk about and that's, it. And that's Marcus Bennett, who, if you, haven't, if you haven't gone to read my article of underappreciated players on each team in the Mountain West, do it. Bennett was my choice for this particular Falcons team because his catch rate is, you know, he's catching two out of every three passes thrown to him, which is pretty amazing for an Air Force receiver when you think about it. And he has been kind of their home run guy. He's averaging over 13 yards per target, which means they're getting the ball to him. They're being aggressive about getting the ball to him down the field. And he's averaging nearly 20 yards catch. So he's a guy that has made a big difference off and on for this Air Force offense throughout the season. And I would keep an eye on him because if San Diego State's not careful, we've seen them cough up big plays to big time receivers in the past. Sure, maybe my thinking is that the Mount Hill has so few catches because Robinette ended up with. Okay, here's the thing: he had 27 yards per catch and like in 35 and six TDs. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just it's a, a position where you don't notice it until it happens, like kind of sneaks up on you. Where mm-hmm. oh, this guy only only has 18 catches, but he's like 500 yards or something and like yeah. four touchdowns. So he's there. It's just um, I don't know. Maybe you're yeah, you're probably right because he they always they always do it's. It's just a matter of looking hard enough because they always have one guy who's going to typically average, what, at least 17 yards per catch, 18 yards per catch, because the defenses will eventually or always 
all right, we got to stop the run. And then they'll mm-hmm. get sucked in just because, well, I don't want to guard the same thing every time. I don't want to play this guard this guy. Every, you know what I mean? It's just they're going to run 98% of the time, it seems like, 90% of the time. They're going to throw 10 times a game. And one of those times, it, it, could, it all it does is take one throw. Hammond could go one for 10 but have a 65-yard touchdown pass, and that could be the difference. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. But the Aztec defense, it's really good. And so you're right. It's like they have the backup quarterbacks. One thing reading through what some players were saying, the Air Force, they really like that Hammond's a quarterback. It seems like he's going to be, because look at last week, and then this week seems more of the same. They're not going to be switching around like they have been. They like that he's given a spark on the offense. He's done a few good things. He's, I think he's throwing a bit better. And like you mentioned last week, or even not last week, but the week before, one of our previews, who's the guy who's going to be, there's usually the one guy who gets 18 carries. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's likely the guy, and that helps the offense. It could be a couple of things. It could be his first full game starting last week where he played the whole game where he's maybe a little bit hesitant, but he still did fine keeping the ball that many times. He may not have as many keeps this week and get other guys involved, but he's, it seems to me he's going to be the guy to get at least like 15 carries, and they need one guy who's going to be the dominant guy because it does a couple of things. Similar to a play action pass, which can work great for Air Force. If he if they if he's keeping the ball so much, like he's they know he's going to keep it, know he's going to keep it. The one time he doesn't keep it, that could open up for another big play as well. Yeah. And so there's, I don't know. I think ten this line's too big. I pro, I'm probably going to say San Diego State's going to win, but it's going to be something close because Ryan Agnew's had one okay game, and like both his starts haven't been great. And so what to expect from him? I expect him to probably probably play fairly well because Air Force's defense isn't all that special. However, look what they did last week versus Navy. They shut them down to seven points. So maybe they're a tad better, but it's going to be a close one. But I think Aztecs have it just because the defense is uh, better. And I think the running game with the offensive line probably has a small edge over what Air Force's running game. Just so, to, what's your, so what's your official prediction then? It's going to be like... 20 to 14 for San Diego State. I think this game is going to get real weird. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that, I mean, obviously they're not going to be playing in a rainstorm like yeah, they that, did in this game last year. That was a weird game, too. <laughs> but I just have this feeling like it's going to be a fist fight. And. Brass knuckled or bare, bare fisted? Bare well, it's going to be bare fisted. <laughs> okay. You know, I think, I, think sure. both these, I think both of these teams are going to struggle to move the ball. And I think it's probably going to be another close call on San Diego State's part. So I'm going to say, you know, the Aztecs escape 16 to 14. 16. So is there going to be a safety involved? How do you get to 16? No, I honestly think one of the big differences of this game is going to be John Barron, the second, who we probably haven't haven't talked about enough, but he's 10 of 11 on the year. Three field goals and a touchdown. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. But I think that Barron is probably going to be the big difference in this game because he gives them a significant advantage over what Air Force has to offer. So did you um, did you put San Diego State number one in your power poll this week? I did not. Who was your number one, Fresno State? Yeah. Do you think the Aztecs just would have one loss and all the injuries should, be, should have been number one? I think if they can win games more convincingly, maybe. Okay, except with the number one. Just and, the, and the only reason I, I say that is I, I mentioned it on Twitter a few days ago, but if, you know, if they can put together a stretch kind of like they did in 2016 when they just blew through conference play, mm-hmm. uh, when they were given up three or seven points per game, 
th- then we can have a conversation. And yeah, because getting back to, I know you're talking about Twitter. I hopped in a little bit. You hopped in with the S and P plus or solo. Part of it is it's not necessarily like we beat these ranked teams. I'm like, yes, but it's not necessarily who you beat, but also how you beat them. And S and P plus is opponent adjusted as well. Correct. Uh, yes. And so beating, like I said, beating Sac state by what? 14 points. Not all that impressive. No. And beating skating by an overtime against certain teams. Because there is a difference, like I mentioned in there, like if you were to, like what's the better win or what's the better game? Losing to the number one team by field goal, beating the number five team in the country by seven points, or beating some middle of the pack team by by 35 points. What's the better victory? They could all be, or better game, they could all be equal the same because how the outcome when you look at other things, not just you won or lost. Yeah, S&P so. Plus, by the way, the has it 31 to 16 in favor of San Diego State. I saw that. That's uh, seems a bit, it's a bit rich for me. What are you doing, Bill? Uh, well, it's not Bill. It's 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 the model. It's I, the numbers. Did Bill put the numbers in? He did put the well. He <laughs> he put the numbers in that teams recorded themselves. So they gave the numbers to Bill. Sure, he okay. put them in, and yeah, you know, process. It still it still seems a tad high in my opinion. But yeah, it's uh, uh yeah they have what 30. Where's here? I just had it up here too. I, I don't look at this page too often, so is it at the t- There we go. I'll just move on because you look at those. I don't look at the stat pages as much as you, so I'm not familiar with everything's at. So let's move on to Saturday. So two things on Saturday. Your morning's clear to watch any other game. Your nightcap, it's going to be busy. It's going to be real busy, so pick your games wisely, folks. Well, there's three and three, so but you get some time in the afternoon. Sure, especially, yeah. I will be lucky enough I'll be around in the evening during the day, uh, hit or miss for some stuff going on. However, the first game of the day, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, 12.30 Pacific. Here's what you do at this game. It's Army versus San Jose State at Levi Stadium, Santa Clara, California. You know what you do, Matt? You go to the game in the morning, then go to Great America afterwards to um, wipe away the tears of San Jose State losing again. I'm trying to remember if, if Great America is even open at this time of the year. Oh, I don't know. Is there a summer? It should be, right? Why not? I, I don't think it's year-round. It may not be. That's odd. Well, not really, but hey. That would may, be a shame. They may have the Fright Beers thing. It's October, so maybe they're open weekends. That's true. Just saying. But the game itself, which is weird because it is in Levi Stadium, ESPNU. Do you happen to – I know you haven't looked at all the lines. Have you – I already mentioned this. 15-point line for Army. See, now that's a line that seems more or less correct. You think so? I thought you liked San Jose State. who has been playing well offensively the past couple weeks. I do. I do, but it's not necessarily about the offense in this game. <laughs> okay. It's about the defense. What what are the Spartans going to be able to do to slow down this army running game? Because I mean, we kind of know what they're <laughs> what what army's all about. They haven't really changed all that much since beating Hawaii. They haven't changed that much since World War II. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, other than, you know, they they kind of you know, manhandled Buffalo a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a team that knows how to thrive without necessarily creating explosive plays. You know, they rank in the top 40 as far as efficiency is concerned, as far as success rate, which, again, I'll just throw the definition out there. It's, you know, 50% of yards on first down, 70% on second, 100% on third or fourth down. And when you compare that to what San Jose State's been able to do on defense, you know, they... You know, for as good as they looked in the third quarter, you can't ignore what the what they did the rest of the game against Colorado State. They're in the triple digits still as far as defensive success rate. So we kind of know what Army's going to do. We know they're going to run the ball. 
we know they're going to be able to you know spread it around. We know Kelvin Hopkins is going to be kind of the the main guy running that offense because he has 90 carries, but Darnell Wolfork has 78 carries. Connor Slomka has 42 carries. And they're all averaging between four and five yards per carry. So if they can't get a push up front, which they've been able to do here and there, it could easily become kind of a long afternoon in the same way that it was for the Bulls a couple weeks ago. I think you're right because, like, the line, I guess you're correct on that, but we see the only, only optimistic I have is they do have the, the um, Tyler Evans is back mm-hmm. and Josh Love, who's been throwing the ball, their offense is throwing to your man, Billy Gaither, out there. Oh, no, um, no, shoot. That's not him, is it? Well, Gaither is still out. Oh, that, that's right. That's why I was thinking, like, wait, that can't be right. But they've been moving the ball better than they have been. And so what what it'll come down to be, which we see with Army when they played Oklahoma, played all his teams, they'll hold the ball forever, triple option, they will run the ball. They'll have, like, what, 12-plus play drives that take, like, eight minutes off the clock? That's kind of what they did against Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, and so if it's, like, if it's, like, 14-0 to at halftime, and I could seriously see in the first half five possessions total, if that, maybe four per team at most. Maybe. 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 It's, it's with how they run the ball. If there's any any double-digit lead in this game for Army, I don't think San Jose State will be able to come back, um, partly because the offense is better but not good, and they just won't have the opportunities to come back to score points. I think it's going to be a really big game for their out, for their outside linebackers, Jamal Scott and Jesse Osuna. Because they've been decent off and on. You know, they're they have combined for four and a half tackles for loss. They're they're first and they're fourth on the team in tackles, respectively. But, you know, I think those two are gonna need to stay disciplined and kind of make those plays because I think the middle is gonna be covered with with who the Spartans have on their defensive line, Boogie Roberts, Bryson Bridges. They're now up to ten combined mm-hmm. tackles for loss on the air. That's right. So I think it's ultimately going to depend on how well they play on the outside. I'm not necessarily concerned about how they defend between the tackles because you know they have been okay as far as defending against the run. It's just, you know, are they going to be able to do that for 70 or 80 or 90 plays? Yeah. That's when it starts to come into play. Yeah, that's the thing for this team. It's like, yeah, could you, the main thing when you play this team, like they're not too bad, about three and a half, 3.7 yards per play given up. That's middle of the pack in the conference. Hey, that's exactly what Wyoming's given up, so we give credit to them all the time on the rush defense. Mm-hmm. And fewer touchdowns as well allowed on the year, I believe. Am I correct on that? No, sorry, one more than Wyoming. few less than Nevada. My – Eye vision is not great today, apparently. But the big thing is, don't give up the huge play. Because who cares if Army rushes for 300 yards? That's a big number. But if they're averaging four yards a play, 4.2, somewhere in there, but there's no 50-yard run, and they're just going three yards, four yards, yeah, they're marching down the field, taking time away, which could still kill you, and they could still win 21-3 to by just chokeholding you like that. But I would rather have that to give your team a chance than giving up these huge plays. Where it's yeah. a 15 yard play here, 28 yard play here, the full back dive, or they do a play action to go up. They're they're two for five in the day and have like 95 yards passing. Mm-hmm. It the main thing is like you mentioned, even they have um, who is the freshman has a couple TFLs as well on the D line. They're going to be fine. But you're right, like when they go to the outside, it's like the full back dive probably will be taken care of, should be okay. But again, when you go to the pitch on the outside, and then they can have the op- the three options because it's obviously triple. You can do mm-hmm. a little shovel to the inside of the guy on the outside. They're going to have to stay disciplined. 
and just try to limit that as much. And I don't know if they can because this this rush defense isn't what it used to be years ago, where it was laughable, where it was like literally the worst in the conference, worst in the country by miles. It is a bit better, but I think like how switch to the other side. How good is Army's defense to stop what San Jose State's kind of getting better at? That is an excellent question because, I mean, I guess if I had to characterize Army's defense, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> we, we, I mean, we talk about, you know, we talked about success rate with regards to San Jose State's defense. So I think it is worth noting that Army's is even worse. Like they, they, they're giving up a success rate that's nearly 50% on defense, which ranks 123rd in the country. So... I think what it's going to come down to is, you know, we saw Tyler Nevins back in action for the first time in a few weeks last week. I think he's going to be huge for them one way or another, because I think if he can kind of get back to what he was doing at the end of last year and kind of at the mo- for the most part at the beginning of this year, they're going to have a chance to kind of keep, I think, because, you know, it may sound ironic, but keeping Army's offense off the field, not giving them an opportunity to chew clock is going to be really important for them. Yeah, and oh, and they've been above average as far as creating explosive plays too. So this could be another opportunity for someone like Josh Oliver, who you know had a big third quarter last week against Colorado State. If he can make some noise, you know, then you might have an upset brewing. So here's the thing. So here's why you look at advanced numbers, folks, and not just total yards or yards per game. Army is 44th in total yards per game or allowed. Mm-hmm. They are actually 34th, or excuse me, 33rd in total yards given up. Yards per play, as you mentioned, is success rate. They give up over seven yards a play. 121st. So that's why San Jose State must take advantage of any opportunity they have. Any offensive possession is key. And if they can get, if they can, a defense can slow down, get a turnover force a modest seven play drive by army not mm-hmm. like two of uh, maybe one first down and the off the offense has chances to move the ball because it's just the number of opportunities you have to get the points so the point per possession needs to be high so you know san jose state can do this and there are chances they could do that for how bad the army defense is in like the efficiency of what they do stopping the run or pass yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a huge opportunity for the Spartans to kind of establish their run game, like really, for the, for the first time all year, because they're they're only average. They only averaged like one point four yards per carry last week, and I don't think that had to been adjusted for sack yardage, but it still wasn't pretty one way or the other. So, what's your prediction for this game then? I would probably take the Spartans to cover uh, plus fifteen, but I. think feel like army is going to be able to keep them at bay just enough so it's probably going to be maybe a little bit lower scoring than a lot of people expect i'm going to say army 31 san jose state 24 i am tempted to take the upset outright tempted to do so but i don't think i i oh man you know i know it's a kind of a bull prediction um San Jose State and UCLA are going to finish with no wins. <laughs> hmm. uh, I think it'll be closer. Like I'm looking at like team rankings and number fire. Number fire is out of this world. They say 44 to 25 for RB. Yeah, and I should probably make a note that they have S&P Plus that is has it Army 38, San Jose State 24. Okay, that's more in line than team rankings. Just it's all over the place because they have 33 to 17. 
I think it's gonna be like a thirty to. Dang, let me cover that. I I still know if San Jose State will have the chances to score the points. That's the thing, because mm. overall, like they did. You know, one quick note here: third down conversion. Do you see what San Jose State's number is for that? Uh, I do. I don't know that off the top of my head. Twenty nine percent. Not great. Army fifty four percent. I'm gonna go thirty five seventeen for um, Army. All right. So that is a cover. Apparently, I changed my mind. Yeah, thirty five seventeen. Go for it. There we go. That's my pick. Let me type it in officially here in our spreadsheet so we know what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So we go to uh, Utah State and UNLV. Yeah, let's do it. Um, UNLV's quarterback situation is not very good after one game. You think? Yeah, definitely. This is a uh, <laughs> 2 p.m. Mountain, 1 p.m. Pacific. Facebook, what's, is it just watch Facebook or face, what's some Facebook official video thing called? Uh, called? That's a really good question because most, most of the games have been on Stadium, but it is listed as Mountain West Network slash Facebook. But regardless, just be sure to keep an eye on our articles on our website, mwwire.com. We will be sure to have you hooked up. Yeah, we'll share it on our Facebook page as well to watch it live because Utah State – which could be this could be the most awkward thing when they're end of the year when they're nine and one ranked twenty second on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they play like San Jose State, I don't know what other Facebook games they have, but here's the thing. like what does UNLV have to do because two things New Mexico somehow shut them down running the ball. Utah State's defense is infinitely better than New Mexico. So does this mean that's true? Negative forty-five rushing yards for for like Charles Williams or Lexington Thomas. I mean, they they really do have to do better than they did last week. And I I kind of wonder how much leash is Max Gilliam going to have because for what three quarters he was abysmal, and. You know, we know obviously our money Rogers is still out of the picture. So the backup right now is is a true freshman, Kenyon Oblad. Oh and I don't recall the exact quote, but I know that there have been discussions from Tony Sanchez as far as giving him some playing time at some point. I think they were trying to hold off on that for as long as they could um, with the new freshman, the, the the new redshirt rules, excuse me, you know, they're allowed to play up to four games without losing their redshirt eligibility. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how bad does it have to be for them to say, screw it and put Oblad in this game? Here's the thing. Utah State's scoring like almost 50 points a game. Yeah. Um, do you mean just permanently or just to get a few uh, snaps here and there? Like, what situation do you think UNLV has to be in for Oblad to replace Jillian? 35-0 at the half. So how likely do you think that that is? I'd give it a coin flip chance. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I would have said pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Utah State's really good people. They are really good. And Jordan Love is... Okay, because we're going to do some midseason stuff coming up probably uh next week um who would you would you pick jordan love as your offensive player of the year at this point uh he would definitely be in the conversation i'd have to kind of take a look you have him cole mcdonald like his quarterback even though he missed one game i don't know who would be better offensively than him he's arguably the best offensive player in the conference right 
I mean, I wouldn't discount Brett Rippon just because of one sure. bad game. Oh, yeah, him. Sorry, Brett Rippon as well. But he's up there. That's what I'm saying. That he'd be one of the top few players you'd want to pick from. Mm-hmm. And Ionovi's the complete opposite spectrum of that. I don't know. Like, what Utah State has been doing, like, they crushed their. The competition hasn't been great, but they're just steamrolling everybody. And I don't think, like, Ionovi's defense isn't very good. Like, they gave up 50 to New Mexico, hasn't done anything all year. I, I'm i just perplexed of how maybe it's, it's shading or clouding what I think of UNLV before because they played pretty well versus UCLA – or excuse me, USC. I wonder if they beat UCLA, probably. But we'll bring them up again maybe. Uh, Arkansas State did all right. It's just that the running game was so bad. It can't be worse clearly. But if they know if Jillian can't throw the ball very well, what's why won't Utah State put like seven guys and say – have Charles Williams or Lexington Thomas beat us when they couldn't beat a subpar Lobo front seven last week. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I'm trying to, to find something in the, in, in the numbers that kind of makes the case for UNLV. I think maybe if they can get pressure on Jordan Love, which is kind of a big if, one of the things that the Rebels have been able to do is generate a pass rush. On defense, their sack rate right now is 8.7%. That's actually slightly better than Utah State's. Hmm. The, the problem, of course, is that Utah State has continued to do a really good job of protecting Jordan Love. You know, his his own sack rate's only like 2%. And when you compare that to what Jillian was able to do last week against New Mexico, you know, they were pretty much all over him. You know, they, <laughs> you know his sack rate right now is 12%, which is actually slightly worse than Rogers' is. And that was something that had always been a problem. And so with as good as the Utah State front seven has been, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, well, okay, if they can stop Gerald Bright and Darwin Thompson, you know, because they, they've been middle of the pack as far as, you know, defensive opportunity rate and stuff, right? But it's just really hard for me to see a path to victory for UNLV, kind of no matter how I slice it. It's also when you see um, headlines for Las Vegas Sun, Rebels sticking with Max and Julian at quarterback against Utah State. Not confident. Well, I guess we'll have to stick with them because who else is left? Like you mentioned, yeah. the <laughs> two yeah. freshmen. And then Lexington, we didn't mention this last time, Tony Sanchez ripped into Lexington Thomas for not running well or kind of giving up. And he's like, I will do better this week. Maybe they will do better. Maybe he'll run harder. Maybe he'll just um, have better energy because he said his energy was down. It was bad on me. It was, uh, he was being contagious with the poor attitude. And I can see that if you're down big against a team you probably should beat. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it again, you know, and I mentioned this in the preview for the game last week, UNLV's running game has just not been the same without Rodgers under center. But, I don't, but, a, lot of, but a lot of turning that around is going to fall on Thomas, rightly or wrongly, because he's the number one guy in that backfield. True, but like how much, I don't know how you probably, we, I know we mentioned it for briefly, but it's not like Rodgers was running or keeping the ball that often either, so it's. Well, he kind of was, though. He was, you think? Um, yeah, oh, he was He was second on the team in carries, and he still is. Never, I, I must have mis- think of something else. Yeah, he has 71 carries on there. Maybe I'm mistaken there. Sorry, I apologize for that. Well, without sacks, though, it's actually 60, and he's averaging over nine yards a carry yeah. if you adjust for sacks. Okay. I don't know why I thought I don't know why I thought it wasn't that, wasn't that big a deal. So never I, never mind. It is a big deal because are they going to – They don't, it's a different offense a little bit with Jillian in there. It's not the same thing. So, But still – it's not like they're running the option with uh, 
with this offense to get the ball. It's not like it's a keeper type situation. It is some zone read stuff. He'll keep the ball a little bit, but I guess there. Okay, I guess there is a threat of Rodgers keeping it and going off for eight yards here, ten yards here. But mm-hmm. I think Thomas is better than a guy like he would drive an offense that doesn't have to do that. Just give him the ball off tackle and off guard stuff. I don't see why it would make too much of a difference, or especially going. What do you have? Thirty-one yards last week. If that it was, it was not. I mean, it was not that much. But that's my point. It's like he's he's a good back where he should have to worry about relying on deception from his quarterback. He'll take the ball more. Mm-hmm. Like it seems that's too much of a reliability from this time to from Rodgers to him not playing now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a situation where UNLV just, they have to stay on track on the ground game. You know, they can't afford to abandon it just because, you know, even despite last week's disaster, you know, you look at efficiency, you look at explosiveness on the ground, and you look at their own opportunity rate, they're still in the top 20 in all three of those categories. And, you know, they're still 100% as far as converting on third and shorts, which is basically just like one yard or fewer. So they can get themselves in situations to succeed. They will have a chance. I just got to see that, more. But that's, but that's a big if. But Gillian was 15 to 35. Yeah. it's Part of it is I get they were down there to throw. They're down 29 out to half. So my saying 35 out to half is not out of the question, I don't think. I don't think so either. It's – Thomas had – like. He had six for 36. That one long was 26. So five for 10, essentially. It's like, come on. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, what? I don't know what they could scheme differently, what they could do differently to win, like get the ball to Woods more, Presley. I don't know. It's protect. I don't know if it's protection. It's bad passes. But we're not talking about Utah State enough here. But this, this is more of a how UNLV cannot screw it up too bad or how can they get back. <laughs> That's they, true. It was true because, <laughs> like, Gerald Brueggemann to Bright, Thompson – Throwing the ball to Rontavian Carver, Carver. Utah State, they're going to roll in this game. Like, 27 points, I'll take that. Easily. So is that our segue to our official predictions? Let's do it. Really quick, before we do let's give our numbers we give out, because I you have S&P Plus over there. Mm-hmm. I will start with team rankings, 44 to 20. Number fire, 45 to 18. Uh, UNL, or excuse me, S&P Plus, excuse me. Has it uh, Utah State 43, UNLV 19, which would cover 27-point spread. So what's your prediction? Oh, man. This is not going to be good for UNLV. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just really don't see how they don't get murdered in this game. Oh, boy. It's going to be something like 63-7. to 7. You, uh, I thought my prediction was going to be out of this world. Really, what do you think? 63 to 7, that's where you're going here? That's what I'm going with. They'll score 7 points? I'm going to be really dis- <laughs> I'm going to be really disappointed if Utah State doesn't drop another 50 at least. I was going to I'm my 50 to 10 looks tame, jeez. Um, I'll go 50 to 10, that's my pick. All right. And uh, yeah, why not? So, okay, let's let's maybe address this real quick before we move on. What do we got? If they lose that badly to Utah State, what does that do for Tony Sanchez's job prospects? Oh, man. Is he going to be the first coach fired? I mean, I think if they lose enough games like that, he could be. Yeah. He, he's in year four, correct? Yes. And last year, they went, I, I should know this, but they did not go to the bowl game last year, right? They did not. Because, because Howard. Because uh, Nevada won the cannon. And because Howard. Yeah. <laughs> um. Their probability. Do you have the? Do you have their team um, sheet up over at S and P Plus? I do. What's their win probability the rest of the way? 
So like to get to, to get, six wins. To get to six wins, it is eleven percent. Let's let's play this out really quick. Um they're gonna lose Utah State two and four. Air Force probably lost. They can get a third win at San Jose State, I'm thinking. They're not getting the six wins. They're not beating Fresno. They're not beating San Diego State on the road. Depends when Rogers comes back, but it's expected to be six weeks, which is five games. Mm-hmm. So five games would be New Mexico, Utah State, Air Force, San Jose State, Fresno. Even if he's back for San Diego State, Hawaii, Nevada, they might only win one of those games. They might win the cannon, and that's a maybe. Because mm-hmm. if it's a foot injury, like they say, that's going to limit his running ability possibly, depending on how bad it is and how healthy he's back in. They might win four games. three. They might be three and nine. Or it's at San Jose State. That might be the lone victory for the Spartans. They just have to show me that they aren't going to collapse like a dying star without Rodgers for once. Yeah, that's – like if they're going to give me any optimistic about being in a bull project bull team, they don't have to win this game this weekend. Just maybe lose third by within 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck though. I know, but like 30, like 30 to 20. Like let's just say best case scenario, like Lexington Thomas, Charles Williams combined for 195. Gajillion goes like uh, 15 to 25 for like 180, maybe a pick or something, and two touchdowns. That's not great, but that might be how they can keep it within 10 points. That's true. I, I guess we'll know. find out. I don't know. All right, let's do this because I don't want my computer to crash because that's why we didn't have a podcast a couple weeks ago for both of us. So let's take a quick timeout so I can save and you guys uh, listen to whatever you want to listen to for the next minute or two. Next up on the schedule, the uh, game that some people want to see, <laughs> New Mexico at Colorado State, AT&T Sportsnet, so I would say recommend checking your local listings for your AT&T, or don't eat Matt, they stream this on the MW.com, right? I think so. It yeah. kind of depends on where you are in the country. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I should, we should know this, but at least previously, if you were outside of the footprint of the game, so say this obviously... CSU, New Mexico region, Rocky Mountain region. If you were inside the network, the footprint of getting or potential to get AT&T, Rocky Mountain, you could not stream it. But like for you, Matt, you'd probably be able to stream it online if you're outside of that area. You know what? I haven't been able to. Oh, so what well, the reason why that could be as well? Because the larger picture AT&T channels are also airing most of these games typically live. So thanks, like, Cable. Yeah, thanks. So it's like uh, eight, I know there's Root Sports Northwest, which might technically be in your area. There's AT&T like Houston or Southwest and a few others. But, yeah, so thanks, Cable. But you're with Hulu, correct? Uh, for the most part, yes. Is that working out for you pretty well? Yeah, it's going all right. All right, also Fubo TV. We have free trials every week. Check them out because it works out perfectly well. The only, the only quibble I have, I cannot record and watch it at the same time. I have to wait till it's over to watch the recorded programming. Hmm. We want to approach it for that. So I was driving around. This is not, nothing to do with this game, sort of a plug advertisement sort of thing. But I had been doing stuff on the weekend where I couldn't watch all the midday games live. So I'm like, all right, I'm in my car, pull up the Fubo app. Oh, Game X is on. I have it to record. Pause it. Start the game. If you pause it, <coughs> then when you get home, you can Chromecast or watch from there. And then you can still fast forward because if you – it's like the DVR, you fast forward, pause, whatever. So that's a little hack if you want to record a game but not wait an hour after it ends to watch it. Because I like to sometimes record games and watch 30 minutes in to fast forward through commercials sometimes. Or I'm going to be 10 minutes late to be home. So that's a little tip that's for convenient. you. That's convenient. Hit the pause button and then same thing. 
Alright, so let's get to this game, which is not on FUBU TV. It's on AT&T Sports. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, just check your local listings and check our website. We'll have the info. But CSU at New Mexico... Or, no, excuse me. Hosting New Mexico. It's a one-point line. In favor... Is it, though? Because last I checked, it's a pick. Oh, let me check. Where are you looking at? I'm looking at uh, Vegas Insider. Okay, I am on ESPN pick. It's showing... Oh, it isn't. They... Okay, they don't update the actual schedule page, but if you go into the more the pick center area, like the mm-hmm. SPN Plus, it is a pick 'em now. It opened as yeah, as a one point for CSU, two point CSU, kind of bouncing around now to pick 'em. So, is that too surprising? Is it be is this more because of what New Mexico did last week versus UNLV, or is it because CSU is just a mess? I think it's because both of these teams are unpredictable. <laughs> so I was like, just let's flip a coin. That's what they're saying with us, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, because if you look at, you know, one thing I could point everybody to, if you go look at the stat profiles that Bill Conley put together, one of the things that he has is percentile performance, both the offense and the defense. And in the last four weeks, going back to the game against Arkansas, on offense, the Rams have been at 30% or below in two of those games, and they've been above 68% in the other two. And on defense, they've been below 40% and above 50%. So they've been just kind of all over the map. And when you look at New Mexico, it really isn't that much better. Um, I'm trying to pull it up right now, and it's running a little slow. Like, they've been a little more consistent on offense, especially in the last few weeks. Um, But the defense has been really up and down. Like, we saw them lay an egg against Liberty a couple weeks ago and then come out and play, like, gangbusters last week against UNLV. That was odd. So it's just, you know, they they both shown an ability to do certain things really well. It's just the ability to do those things for 60 minutes has been very elusive for the most part. And so that makes this game really hard to call. It does because a couple things. Sherryon Jones for New Mexico looks really good now. Throwing the ball, not turning it over. And throwing touchdowns so is it is it okay to call them throwbos with the w with the uh no w no w, no w. we got the competing throwbos so i'm gonna say yes because he had no picks and four touchdowns last week is that right mm-hmm. so and matt what's the rams weakness on defense pass defense <laughs> at times I, th- I, I thought it was everything okay I, well okay that would be the better joke answer but sherry on jones like or is it, it no, it's not Sherion. It's um. It's Sheron. Sheron, Jesus, extra R in there. Sheron Jones is probably going to throw pretty well. I would honestly expect a performance not as good last week overall because that was kind. Of, I don't think that's the norm scoring over fifty points against any team, specifically with this newish New Mexico offense where they're throwing the ball more, spreading it out, not more of the uh, option based attack they've been doing for the past couple years. But. Tell me why CSU would be better. Is it because Izzy Matthews had a 100-yard game last week? Is that what they're going to lean their hat on? Are they going to switch quarterbacks? Because, to be honest, talent-wise, offensively, Rams head and shoulders above New Mexico. That's true. Um, I mean, I think that one thing I would watch out for is, you know, to see if the mistake-prone Jones shows up again. Because that's kind of what we saw two weeks ago against Liberty. But he was great last week. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't you know, fall back into that bad habit. Like we saw Colorado State take advantage of, a, of an erratic San Jose State passing game last weekend. 
And in particular, one guy we haven't really talked about that we probably should is Rashad Ajayi. He was the guy who had the, the pick six. He, If you didn't see our tweet, um, Pro Football Focus has a list of kind of the top performing freshmen so far this year. And though he didn't crack the top 10, he was the only Mountain West player to receive any kind of mention. And he's been pretty good, all things considered, when when uh, he got inserted into the starting lineup. He only has the one interception, but he has five pass breakups, which is the best on the team. So, you know, if they can get their hands on the ball, they might have a chance. But it's also a situation where if you look at one of their biggest problems, one of the biggest problems is just giving up big plays, which is what we saw last week in the third quarter against San Jose State. They just were getting ripped apart by the passing game for 15 minutes. And that's something that New Mexico could easily duplicate if the Rams aren't ready for it. Yeah, they sure could. And I don't know. I, again, the Rams team is the most unpredictable team all year, right? Because are they going to switch quarterbacks? Is their defense going to show up? Are they going to run the ball well? Are they going to do this, this, or that? I don't know because do they, they don't even really have an identity on this team, right? Like it's – I don't know. They're just a team – either offense or defensively. It's only constant KJ Carter's Amos really. Is that about it? But even then, Bobo likes to jerk him around and pull him out for five plays a game. I mean, I think the one constant, if you're looking for it, is Preston Williams and Ola B.C. Johnson. But that also goes back to Carter Samuels actually throwing the ball and being in because he's clearly the best guy they have. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's... um... If I if I knew more, also the Lobos aren't terribly consistent either because they scored fifty points. They're they're three and two. Sure, sure, Jones is doing well. I, that's why to pick them. We're not we're confused, conflicted of what to do, Matt. What are we going to do? See, I think one thing that this game could ultimately hinge upon is, you know, you were talking about how the Lobos are throwing more often than than they were last year. The thing is, they're not actually throwing that much more than they were last year. At this point, they're only throwing the ball 37% of the time. In the last year, they were at 32%. So there's been a slight uptick. The, the big difference is they're doing it a lot better than they were last well, year. Yeah, that's kind of why we went away from Yeah, they're throwing, but they're going to like 10 of 30 or something. But also it helps when your quarterback with Jones throwing the ball is not turning it over either. But the trade-off is that the running game for the Lobos has not been nearly as good as it was. Like they've, they've managed some big plays here and there, but you know, between Tyrone Owens and Amari Davis, you know, they're only averaging about three and a half yards per carry between them. And Jones, I think has made a difference as a runner, which is a, which is a bright spot. He's averaging over six yards a carry. But I think if, if Colorado state's going to have a chance to kind of exploit the Lobos, they're going to have to make them one-dimensional because the Lobos aren't that great running the football. And while the Rams aren't really all that great defending the run, you know, on defense, they're 125th in opportunity rate and 126th in stuff rate. You know, but we, we saw them be able to contain San Jose State last week, which we talked about a moment ago when we talked about the Spartans game. Mm-hmm. So if they could do it again, and if they can force Jones to win this game... You know, we, we've seen kind of both sides of Jones, so whichever one shows up is kind of going to determine how this game goes, in my opinion. So what's your prediction? Uh, I mean, I think both teams really want to win this game, if only because, you know, all of a sudden, if New Mexico win this game, wins this game, they're 2-0 in the conference. 
and they have an opportunity to keep pace with Utah State in that regard. And you know, Colorado State, for as rough as things have been, if they win, they go to two and one, and they'll be in the upper half of the Mountain Division with a with a key uh, interdivision win in hand. But honestly, I kind of like New Mexico in this game. I think it's going to be a real back and forth game. It would not surprise me if the lead changed multiple times. And maybe I should make a note of it. S&P Plus has this game 37 to 30 in favor of the Lobos. I'm going to hedge a little bit, but I'm still going to say that they win uh, 34 to 27. I'm going to see a shoe be like 30 to 28. All right. Something really close. All right, let's move on to the next game. Now we've got the nightcaps going on here. We have a couple more to uh, get through. So we go to 8.15. I get, oh, no, yeah, 8.15. Let's do it. BYU hosting Hawaii. And uh, it's on ESPN2, 8.15 Mountain, 7.15 Pacific. What is that in Hawaii time, 5.15? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's uh, 5.15. All right, so this line has been all over the place, literally everywhere. Open as 11. Went up as much as 14 and a half. Back down to 11 and a half because what the heck's going on with Cole McDonald? Well, he said he's healthy to play. If I'm saying it right now. If, if he plays, Hawaii wins. Here's a couple reasons why. BYU, as I sent you a message or it's on our Twitter feed last night. Here, Matt, how would you answer this question? Like, hey, how's your posi- what position, uh, quarterback, anything going on with uh, any other players on your team? If you're confident in your player, Matt, would you say that's a stupid question? That's a silly question. Our starting quarterback is player A. Mm-hmm. But if you're not confident, wishy-washy is the answer you get. And that's what BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes said when he was asked about quarterback position between Tanner Mangum, who's been the starter, or playing true freshman Zach Wilson. Basically said, well, every week positions are up for grab. So we're not going to give a statement on if Zach's going to play or not. Or start. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well... To me, I'm leaning toward he's going to start this game or, or play a ton. So how do you think that that affects a BYU offense that we, we talked at length about last week, so maybe we don't need to talk about them quite so much this time around? True. Like, we saw what they did against the Utah State Aggies in a, in a blowout loss. Um, you know, we didn't see them move the ball particu- <laughs> me, particularly well with Mangum under center. And Wilson did look a little bit better in, you know, let's be real. It was garbage time <laughs> by the time one he took possession. the field. Yeah, one possession there. So, obviously, I think it's maybe a fair argument that Hawaii's defense isn't quite in the same stratosphere as the Aggies so far. But we've also seen them take care of business against limited offenses. Like, you know, they, they held down Rice. They held down Duquesne. They, you know, survived San Jose State. So, like, they could beat flawed offenses so what makes you think that this game could be any different for BYU I don't know because here's similar to Colorado State the passing game is not the issue with BYU mm-hmm. <laughs> because Mangum had about yeah they're down big pass slot I think he had 272 in the loss and had that pick six early on here's the thing it's going like Canada I know he had an eight, the running back for BYU he only played till half he had an ankle thing I think also they're being quiet but I think it's also a concussion when he watched kind of what happened during the game when he left Mm-hmm. They don't have the running game is limited, so they lose their best offensive runner. They already lost one of their top receivers. They do have like, I don't know. The thing is, the passing game is not very good. I or excuse me, the passing game is pretty good, and so I don't see the point of making the switch. They do have good receivers like Matt Bushman, who finally got to be the number one guy at tight end. 
tell him Shelway Shelway caught a couple passes. Thing is, they can't. They're probably going to score points in this game. I expect BYU to do so because why his offense defense is that bad. But I don't see why this is a point to make the switch unless they want to give. If they do switch, I'm not saying they will, but I'm betting Wilson will play a lot. But if Wilson is the guy, it's a decent opportunity because look what look what everybody else has done versus Hawaii's defense. And so that's where he'll move the ball. But I just don't see they'll be able to keep up because the, the BYU defense, as we mentioned, outside of Corbin Kafusi, they're not very good. When they played Washington, he had, I think, on their first drive, two tackles and a sack. He ended the game with two tackles and a sack against Washington. And so I don't trust I Hawaii's gonna win and win win big, and I'm gonna say that. And people are some people are giving me flack about it here in where I'm at, but I think Hawaii's gonna win big and it's not gonna be close. See, I think one thing maybe to keep an eye on is how many big plays Hawaii is able to create through the air because they struggled a little bit uh, against Wyoming last week with Chevin Cordero under center. Yeah, they did but, for sure. But, but one of the things that you can point to with BYU's defense is they have been pretty good about containing big plays. You know, they, right now they're they're 15th by ISO PPP, which is you know basically measuring how often you're giving up chunk plays. But then you look at last week's game, and Utah State isn't necessarily that proficient about creating big plays, but they just murdered them because they were so, you know, they were able to move the ball anyway. And I kind of see a similar situation where even if guys like John Rasua and Cedric Bird and Jojo Ward aren't able to get those 20, 30, 40 yard plays like they have been, nothing says they can't get, you know, 10, 15, 17 yards at a time and keep BYU under its thumb anyway. Yeah, I, I just not BYU doesn't do anything that I'm still puzzled how they beat Wisconsin. Like per play given up, they're average in a pack five, what, 5.4 yards per play. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing too, with uh with McDonald is truly healthy, the running game is much better with him because he'll run the ball a reasonable a reasonable amount as well. And that was what was missing versus Wyoming. Outside of the fruit train doing what he did running the ball, they didn't have the court the extra option in the run and shoot. And this offense is somewhat similar to Utah State. They want to throw it a lot, they want to go multiple sets and receiver aspect, and I don't think BYU has enough guys in the secondary. Guys like Butch Powell, the linebackers, he's hurt. He's not fully 100% not playing well. They're trying to move guys like we mentioned Sony Takitaki a couple weeks ago. They're trying to put him in a position he's not comfortable at and not good at in middle linebacker. I just, I'm just saying, I don't think BYU has a chance in this game. They may score some points, but it might be like a 40 to 20 victory for Hawaii. So S&P Plus, surprisingly, has BYU winning this game. I don't know why BYU's favorite at all. I get home game. I don't. I don't know. Home game. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. Is there too? Are they giving that much credit still to that Wisconsin win? Because outside of that, they've looked bad all year. They score only scored thirty versus McNeese State. They did nothing against Washington. They got blown out against Utah State. weren't even close in that game. Down what twenty one zero at the half. Twenty one seven. Yeah, it could be that S and P Plus just hasn't caught up with them yet. Well, it is true. Hawaii's what ninety fifth overall in their projections. Yeah, and a lot of that just has to do with the disparity between offense and defense. Yeah, and like these team rankings, number five, both have BYU as a ten point victor. I just, I just don't see it. Am I? Am I? I asked a few people like who cover BYU close. Like, am I wrong by seeing Hawaii will blow them out? Like, no, you're not wrong <laughs> for people who are there every day. So I'm going. Well, to- I, should, I should, I should maybe clarify. S and P Plus only has it as a three point win for the Cougars, thirty two to twenty nine. Okay. See, here's the thing. I can see, I honestly, I can see it happening because look at the Army game. Like, Army was only 28-21. Like, 
I can see that, but what I've seen from BYU, I they'll be they'll score points, they'll keep it fairly close. But I think Kawhi will just have to make they can make more. Like if you're gonna have to look at one area in this game, Hawaii's offense is vastly superior to any any other unit on the field on both sides of the ball. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna pick one area why they'd win, it's because of that. BYU's passing offense will get some yards, even either quarterback not as much as Wilson than Mangum, I think. But BYU has injuries at running back; they're not gonna be able to run the ball well. I, I just um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna say 40 to 20. Hawaii's gonna win big. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same ballpark. I would definitely take Hawaii in the points because I do think they'll also win out, right? Easily, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Warriors 38, BYU 13. Oh, 25 points. Yeah. I'd be mean, a little nice to see 20 points, but that that's I just don't see it. That's all I'm saying. It's just, uh, I'm going to, I do pick them for my other job. Like I help do a sports radio show off the home of BYU. We talk about Cougars a bit because we air their games. There's a weekly pick them. I'm, I'm curious to see how the other guys pick this game. So I'll let you, I'll let you know on uh, Monday what happens All this right. weekend because, yeah, we'll see. Next game, Boise State at Nevada. The rivalry game on CBS Sports Network, 730 Pacific. BYU's a – or she's not BYU. B, Boise State, BSU, 17-point favorite. I think that's right. I think it's fair because Nevada's offense hasn't been – what I thought they'd be. And they're disappointing me on every turn almost. <laughs> well, I mean, I think maybe the upside for Nevada, because I haven't really heard anything about Ty Ganji since he missed last Saturday's game. He limited practice the other day on Monday. I think. Yeah. It was. He, he is still listed as an or with Christian Solano at quarterback. So, you know, kind of like last week's game, it's really hard to talk about Nevada just because you don't know who's going to be under center. And I think it's going to make a significant difference whether it's Ganji or Solano because we saw them operate in two totally different ways. Yeah, they are. One has experience, and the other, in his first start, didn't play well at all. And that's the price of the thing. Quarterback plays a big deal, folks. If Ganji... Well, he was he was up and down. Yeah. You know, he was able to move the ball a little bit. He was definitely a lot shiftier as far as you know making plays on the ground than Ganji has ever been. But. Yeah, you're right. He he made mistakes that Ganji doesn't often make, and that was really what betrayed them in that game against Fresno State. And I, you know, even without David Moa on the front line for the rest of the year, even without DeAndre Pierce in the secondary, you know, Boise still has enough talent to be able to kind of win that turnover battle and make it kind of a repeat of last week for the Wolfpack. I think so. I think it's just going to be, oh man, it's. And also, we should note real quick: Boise's going to be out. We already um, David Moe is out for the year as a DeAndre Pierce safety defense lineman, respectively. Pierce could be a little bit of an issue if Nevada can throw the ball with whatever quarterback's in there. It's also going to come down to me Boise's offense because yeah, there's bad burp and last week he didn't play well. But you play Nevada's defense, that'll cure most things, right? Be able to be more efficient with Madison running the ball, finding guys open down the field passing. That's why it's a over two touchdown lead or favorite for the for the uh, Broncos there. Maybe, maybe. Come on, they're gonna throw well. What's, maybe. What's gonna slow up the passing game against Nevada's defense? So, so here's the thing. You know, if you go back and look at what the Wolfpack were able to do in last week's game against the Bulldogs, they held the Bulldogs' running game in check. You know, I think we have to give them a little bit of credit for the fact that they were able to do that. Um. You know, they only averaged 1.7 yards per carry. It was just the difference was they really couldn't stop Marcus McMarion. And so, 
I can kind of see this as another situation where Madison struggles to, to get a lot of traction in the same way that he did last week against San Diego State. But again, I feel like this is another opportunity for Brett Rippon to kind of rebound, especially. Yeah. Because, you know, we've talked about it in a week's past how Nevada's been pretty decent about being disruptive. But, you know, we've seen, we saw bad Brett Rippon show up for the first time all season. But if he can get back on his feet, you know, we've also seen Nevada's secondary give up a lot of big plays throughout the year. So, you know, it's another one of those things where it could go either way, depending on which quarterback shows up Boise. Well, that and if they follow what San Diego State did, Oklahoma State did, Emily Reed had a big game in his own right last week. If they can get a pass rush against Rippon, like he was getting hammered last week. He was just getting hit after hit. And also, well, I'll get to that in a moment, the next part. But if they can put some pressure, it's, it's not just a Rippon thing. Any quarterback that gets hit, that has a guy in his face, hands up, no trying to tip ball balls down, not being able to be comfortable back there if they can force a lot of QB hurries it's probably I'm still going to pick Boise to win but it'll be a lot more interesting if they force Rippon to not play play well which easy to say but also can Nevada's defense do that maybe with Malik Reed but that's what they really have to do they're going to have to get to the quarterback put pressure on him make him uncomfortable and then the other thing I was going to mention special teams Boise special teams have been just awful this year Block punts, muff punts, can't recover the ball off a nice kick to your get re- returning the ball, receiving the ball from a good defensive stand. Those things add up, and like those are hard to predict. You can't say, "Oh, I predict point two blocks this game or something's going to happen." But those are the two key areas that Nevada's going to win: get pressure, whether it be special teams pressure, gets a punt, kicking game, and get to rip it. If that's if that's that's their key to win, and obviously if Ganji plays, that would go a long way as well for them to get this victory. I mean, I think this game for the Boise State defense could play out a lot like last week because one of the things that Fresno State was able to do, you know, even though Solano, assuming he's under center, you know, he, you know, got a ton of yards. He was averaging about five yards per carry after you adjust for sacks. But they also contained Tolatawa, which is the first time anybody had ever really been able to do that all year. And we just saw the Broncos be able to do something similar with Chase Jasmine. You know, Jasmine only had, I believe, 78 yards on the day. And it was, as we mentioned earlier, it was really only the one big play that broke their back. So, you know, even though they do have different playmakers in there now, I think Chase Atata is set to replace Moa on the defensive line. I don't think it's going to be that big of a drop-off just with the way that Boise State's been able to perform this year. Like, they're still one of the best defenses in the country as far as defensive success rate. You know, they're still ranked eighth. And that is going to be an uphill battle that Nevada is going to have to climb one way or another. But I think it's going to be significantly harder if Ganji can't go. Yeah, I. it's hard to tell because he's still kind of up in the air. It's going to be a game-time decision, I'm assuming. But with that being said, I don't want to give two scores because that's lame. But I'm going to, I think Boise is going to win regardless. And I guess I'll go with they'll cover. I think they'll cover. Like they'll win like thirty to uh, what thirty five thirteen. I'll go that way. All right. What do you um, got? S and P Plus, by the way, has it Boise State thirty five, Nevada twenty three. Ooh, closer. Interesting. And you know, I feel like there's maybe a touchdowns difference between Solano and Ganji. Yeah. I so get, so rather than yeah. giving two different scores, I think I'll just leave it at that. I do think Boise State will be able to win this game. Um, they might struggle a little bit more, so I'm going to say that Nevada covers, and it's 28 to 17. It is a lot of points, but I I have confidence in Boise State this week. 
All right. Last okay. one, right? Yeah, because they hate Nevada. That's why. Yeah. All right. So why am we not Fresno State? Uh, is this a game you're going to be in attendance for or not this week? Uh, I will not. I am attending the Fresno Fair, which happens to be the last day ah, of Fresno Fair. So. That's a good choice. No problem. That's fine. We'll, we'll, you're okay. We'll give you a pass. That's all right. <laughs> 7.30 p.m. Pacific. ESPNU. Why am we not Fresno State? 18 points. This is the, what, sixth, fifth game double-digit line? It, here's the thing that's crazy about this. It's a 43-point over-under, 18-point line. That uh, not many points, but a dominant victory is what the projection is. I'm hearing. See, here's the thing. Like, how is this game going to be di- different from last year's game for Wyoming? Uh, what happened? I forget what happened last year. Well, last year it was basically a draw for three quarters, and then Fresno State was able to do just enough in the fourth quarter on offense to kind of come away because this was when Josh Allen wasn't playing. You know, they had Nick Smith basically contain the entire game except for the last two and a half minutes. And with everything that Wyoming has done this year, like we just saw them struggle against, you know, a really good Boise State defense and um, maybe a flawed but okay Hawaii defense. And, and you look at what Fresno State's been able to do on that side of the ball this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about the five factors, and good Lord, have you looked at that? I have not looked at Fresno's at the moment. How are they, I assume, dominant by your So I, I'm just I'm going to tell you. So efficiency on defense, they're ranked 11th. Explosiveness, they're ranked 5th. Average field position, they're ranked 11th. Points per trip inside the 40 allowed, they're 17th. Oh, and also they're plus 10 on the year, which ranks third nationally. They have been dominant. And, you know, this, I mean, I really don't see how this game is going to go any differently, not only from last year, but I feel like if you're a Cowboys fan, there's a very good opportunity. It's going to be deja vu all over again from the game uh, at home against Boise a couple weeks ago. All right. You changed my mind here. I was going to pick Wyoming to at least cover. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I think about too. Um, I know they had to switch up quarterbacks a little bit versus Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They still only scored 13 points against a bad Hawaii defense. I'll say it. It's not very good. Uh, well, you and I have differing opinions. Uh, on that. It's, it's not below average. Is that okay? I mean, I mean, let's put it this way. I mean, let's let's not beat around the bush. The the Wyoming offense is at best Garbage. below average, <laughs> and by a lot of the by a lot of those same measures, they're an outright disaster. You know, and, can I just can I just list the five factors for you one more time for the Wyoming offense? Not good. Go for it. Let people hear it one more time. Efficiency, one hundred and fourteenth out of one thirty. Out of one thirty. Explosiveness, one hundred and sixteen. Also out of one thirty. Yeah. Field <laughs> field position, one hundred and third. The only thing that they're average at is finishing scoring opportunities. They're sixty first in points per trip inside the forty. But how many just, times they get inside the forty? <laughs> But I mean, I mean, but when you kind of look down at pretty much every situation you can imagine, like they're 119th in sack rate allowed. That's not a good sign when you're considering a Fresno State defense that, oh, by the way, they've been really good about pressuring the quarterback. Their their own defensive sack rate is about 7%, which is right around the top 50. Um, you know, they they haven't been good at all in any third down situations all year long. And Fresno State has been really good in those situations. So it's just, you know, even if Nico Evans is able to do maybe like 80% of whatever he was able to do last week against Hawaii. Well, remember, 
Most of that came off of one play too. That's true. It's just th- this is going to be a long night for Wyoming fans. You may want to just go to bed early. Sure, yeah, get a good night's sleep, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's getting cold in this part of the country. We had heavy rain, some snow, so bundle up, I guess. Sit by the fire and fall yeah, asleep and, to and, some we, and, we, and we haven't even gotten to the Fresno State offense, which, you know, even though Nevada was able to kind of make them one-dimensional for the most part last week, like I said a minute ago, it didn't matter because Marcus McCarrion was so good. He, I think right now, I looked it up earlier in the week, he is on pace for the best – single season performance by a Fresno State quarterback ever. Oh, better than Derek the Carr brothers? Better than Derek Carr. Ooh, that's that's high praise. That's, well, and that's not that's not even praise. That's well, just like what yeah, he's yeah. been able to that's do. What, yeah, that's good to rephrase. I'm like, wait, that's not right. That's uh that's yeah, that's just good football. So I mean if you if you want to try and make the case for Wyoming to try to 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 do the same thing that Nevada was able to do last week. I think you can point to the fact that, you know, their havoc rate as a defensive line, which is percentage of plays, tackle for loss, pass defense, or forced fumble, or things like that. They're in the top 40 now nationally, which is which is a positive sign. You know, we've seen the 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 front four come to life, especially last week against Hawaii. They chased down Cordero more than a few times. You know, those big stars along the front, Johanna Guyfan and Carl Granderson, both had a sack last week. So it's not like their playmaking ability has gone anywhere. It's just that for long stretches, especially in non-conference play, those guys were really held in check. And with as good as Fresno State's offensive line has been, even without Natani Muti, you know, that is going to be a really big battle to watch because Wyoming's been really good about pressuring the quarterback, but Fresno State's been even better than they were last year as far as keeping McMarion upright. His own sack rate's only 2.8%. That's in the top 20 nationally. And that is exactly the kind of thing that can uh, that can stack up against Wyoming in the long run. That's the well, yes, that's the reason I'm hesitant to pick Frozen to cover because Wyoming's defense is still pretty good, right? You can I mean, we know we know that the talent is there, but we yeah. also know that they've been picked apart by superior offenses. Yeah, they. That's what I mean. That's what Fresno has. That's where I'm concerned. Like we know they can. There'll probably be flashes of signs where, hey, they do a good job here, they do good here, but ultimately they're going to allow Fresno to have a big play of some sort. And so the defense, it's a, it's a small concern for me for me because they do they haven't been great this year. Like they've given up like 40 to Missouri, 41 to Washington State where that fourth quarter was bad. Boise State weren't even in it. They were down, what, 24 with the half? Mm-hmm. They held Hawaii in check, but again, backup quarterback. Had Cole McDonald been in that game, it would have, would have been like 30 to 13 at, at best for their defense. So they'll make plays, but like you're right, Fred, you can mention what McMarion has done. He will be able to move the ball and throw the ball well. Turnover margin favors Fresno. They're kind of doing what Wyoming did last year, being, what were they, number one, you said, in the country in turnover margin? They Top. were. So, hmm. Really quick here. Predictions from ESPN's Pick Center. I'll go with that. 30 to 12, 25 to 12. Obviously in favor of Fresno. And S&P Plus, by the way, has it 35 to 14. Also, this game opened at 20.5. That does not surprise me. That's a lot of points. So what what are you going with? Uh, well, what's the line now? It's, it's 18, cr- right? 17 and a half right here. 17 and a half? Yes. Um, I guess with the final score I have in mind, I would take Wyoming to cover. You know, it's not Barely. 
Because that's all because the because make um, no mistake, the Cowboys are going to get worked in this game. Um, but if it's seventeen and a half, I have Fresno State winning by seventeen. Uh, I'm calling it twenty-seven to ten. I am going thirty to ten. All right, because that's what I do, and what Fresno is going to cover and win the, win the game. All right, that's our week preview, right? Week preview. Week seven. Week, already week seven. Whew. It's time flies when you're having fun. Should we? Okay, we'll definitely get back on this on Sunday afternoon. Maybe who knows? Sometime Sunday you'll hear from us again, previewing all the games. Also check us out mwr.com because apparently people, have you noticed, Matt, have been doing that lately, which is nice. Thank you for uh, stopping by and reading our stuff. Subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, tune in, all that fun stuff. Matt, have you ever heard of Deezer before? I have not. Apparently, we might be on Deezer. Apparently, D E E Z E R. So check out that. It's a guess it's kind of like a music streaming thing plus spotify or not spotify but like a podcast and music so works for me i submitted there because i got an email about it i'm like sure more the merrier so if you use that service let us know how it works and so (laughs) we'll see but we'll see you next time and also real quick basketball is coming up we have a handful of previews for the hoop side with me and eli betker talking basketball so if you don't like this football stuff but if you're at the end here listening thank you but also basketball's coming through, so check out those. They're going out uh, sporadically until the season begins. And, yeah, we'll see you next time, folks, on Sunday, this Sunday, Week 7 Recap.